Testament Galatians uh, fourth chapter. Uh, be looking at verses twelve to verse twenty. I will be reading from the New Living Translation as prepare uh, for the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Uh, Mighty God, we are grateful for your holy word. Bless us, Lord, with enlightenment and the understanding of your word, your truth. And that we might have your word hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Galatians 4th chapter, New Living Translations reads this way. 
starting in verse 12. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you, Gentiles free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me nor turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. I have now become your enemy because I am telling you the truth. Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going to, through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Praise God for his word. You may be seated.
God, we're grateful that you are worthy, that you are mighty, that you are wonderful, that you are God all by your son. And Father, Lord, we're desperate to hear a word from you. So speak now, Lord, your servants are listening. I pray, I pray Lord, truly be all of you, none of me, to preach and proclaim your word, your truth, uh, that we might receive a message from you, that we might see Jesus. And have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Lord, have your way. Have your way. Right here in, in our hearts, in this space, we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome back. Uh, those who might have missed us last uh, Sunday, we fellowship with Metamora uh, Mennonite Church and Metamora Square Park. Uh, worship with them, and so we're back in our location this morning, so thank you uh, for those who join in with us again this morning uh, through our website, Facebook, and YouTube, and through our app, and we're back in on our walking through this letter of Galatians. Uh, we'll be in chapter 4, verses 12 through 20 on um, this morning, talking about continue till Christ is fully developed in you. We want to talk about uh, being mature in Christ as Paul takes a shift uh, in his letter, pleading them, beseeching them to continue to stay forward. As you know, as he writes them, he says, I'm alarmed. You know, what's caused you this, to, to fall forward this away uh, from the gospel you first believed? And so now we're getting to the crux of this letter as he starts entering this personal plea. And so what he's talking about here, what we want to talk about as well, about how we ought to continue until Christ is fully developed in us, is realize there's some things that cause us that we sometimes stop short of fully following through. Christians should be model citizens of compassion, unity within the community. Christians should not be overwhelmed and influenced by popular opinions and other social cultural fads of the day. Christians should not be getting their guidance on what's trending on social media, but yet what is consistent in the word of God. We need to understand that everyone who gives advice does not give good advice. Just because someone is popular does not make them right. 
we have fallen victim of following in waves of popularity and things that seem good at the moment and time that truly do not last and definitely do not perform as advertised. The word of God will last because it has eternal wisdom. The word of God will remain while everything else will pass away. So we must, as Christians, teach others to continue to seek and trust the word of God over whatever might be popular, whatever might be trending, whatever might be happening in social media to understand the kingdom of God is real. So the kingdom of God is real. And so Christ is our model. We have all kinds of models in social media. They get paid just to post false sense of reality every day that's not them. They may show before the picture goes on, they got their makeup done, their hair done, the new clothes on, and then they take it off and go about their day. But they're going to act like, hey, this is what I look like all day. And have people want to buy the products and sell the products just because they need the subscriptions for you to keep on liking them and supposing. So think about living your life just to be liked when you're already loved. God loves us already. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. That love he freely gives to us because that's how good his love is. Some other people, you got to work for the love. You got to beg for the love. You got to plead for the love. But God says, I love you. Oh, I was at a few more witnesses here. Uh, you just woke up this morning. God already told you, I love you. <laughs> I already care for you. Everything is good with God. And so when we understand how Christ as our model walked on earth, showed us what God looks like. Jesus showed us what Christian hospitality looks like. Christ teaches how we ought to treat everybody that we meet. I said everybody. Uh, He did not discriminate who we met. He treated them all with love and respect. We ought to greet all with love and hospitality, with kindness and gentleness. We are not to be judgmental towards someone based on what street they live on, their ethnicity, their cultural background, the color of their skin, the social status, whatever it is that we should not be mistreating people just because how we want to judge them or treat them based on what we think is popular and acceptable. Think about how oftentimes we treat people based on what has someone told you how you ought to treat them. Not because you think you should treat them that way, but because someone told you that this person, because of this, is not good enough. Paul, again, pleads with them, says, dear brothers and sisters, nobody's talking about saying something shifted here. Paul's pointing out to them in this letter that you treated me one way, but now all of a sudden you're feeling different. You know, now, now all of a sudden you want to act like, Things are not how they should be. And so he says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you, Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Paul is pointing out to them that when I first joined you, I lived like you. I, I was not living under the law. I wasn't trying to work my way into heaven, but I showed you it was grace that we are justified by grace. It's not the works we do, but it's the works of Christ that has redeemed. He says, I proclaim to you this gospel that they are trying to persuade you, these Judaizers, and trying to tell you that you need to be followers of this law, but understanding that it's by God's grace you have been saved. Tell your neighbor, it's by God's grace you're saved. Tell your neighbor, you can't work your way into heaven. Tell your neighbor, you can't work your way into heaven. 
And so when you understand that we are justified because of our faith in Christ that makes us saved, that, that's when you look in that second chapter of Galatians, that's what Paul is breaking down to them. Let them know that you are justified because of what Christ has done, not what man can do or will do, but what has already been accomplished on the cross. And so he's pointing out to them that you receive me then well. But what, what has happened is that you allow now the peer pressure and popularity and wanting to be accepted uh, to cause you to change what you first believed, uh, what you first came to accept, what you first came to know. Paul is pleading to them, saying that what has shifted in you, verse 13 says, surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tended you to reject me, you did, you did not despise me or turn me Oh, wait, no, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Notice here, though, Paul is pointing out to them that when I came to you, I, I was not in the best condition. I, I, I was not really up to all the tasks, but yet you did not despise me. You did not treat me the way I look, but yet you accepted me, he says, as an angel. Another word for angels as a messenger, but he's more specific here as a messenger of God, as an angel, as a supernatural being. That he even also says, I even say, y'all treated me as if I was Christ himself. So sense of the warmth and the reception that was given to him, right, and the acceptance that was given him. And so we need to have a spiritual mentor. Look what he says. I plead you to live as I do. We need to have spiritual mentors as we're following Christ. And we're following Christ as a as a distant disciple, right? Because he's not right here with us as, as always to correct us. But yet here's a situation that when I have my brother, my sister, that I can come to, I can pray with, talk to. They can also help me to be correct and realize that, that your word tells you that you ought to be forgiven and kind to let it go. And that person can help remind you what the Bible has already told you to help you continue to walk together in unity. And the festival. So here's Paul again writing, writing to them, letting them know that you need to be like I was. You saw how I walk in humility and submission to the will of God, trying to be obedient, walking by grace, not by the law, that I was living like you. So be like me. He's being their spiritual mentor, pastoring, discipling them, telling them to show them how they ought to pray, how they ought to read and study their word, how they ought to walk. We need to make sure that we are teaming up with brothers and sisters of Christ that are like-minded, that are after the seeking the will of God that will help us to walk and to talk like Christ. That we will behave in ways and manners that reflect who God is. We're living in a world now that people are trying to persuade you and turn you around and, ch and change you to help you to manipulate what the word of God says. But the word of God is true. And so do not allow somebody to mislead you when it doesn't line up with the word of God. Paul keep on pointing them back to the scriptures. Paul pleads to them to be like him, living under this grace. And not under the law. When he says, I live like a Gentile, he's cont contrasting basically a Jew and a Gentile, right? Those who are living under the law of Moses and, the, and re uh, remembering the, the uh, law, the calendars and the dates and the festival he mentions earlier, right? To those who are now under grace, who understand that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice that died on the cross for our sins. And so I'm no longer bound to these laws. It's always going to expose my sin, but now I'm under grace and realize my sins are now covered, and so now I want to shift my, my desire and my life to no longer live for myself, but live for Christ 
and doing and work under his grace. So Paul points out how you joyously receive this gospel and how it set you free. What has changed? He points out to them that, again, his condition. Look at verse 13, right? So surely you remember when I was sick, when I first brought you this good news. Some suggest Paul might have had a physical ailment. Some suggest that maybe he was recovering uh, from one of his many messenger discipleship situations when he was beaten up or he was suffered, who was, was played or imprisoned. Second Corinthians 11, chapter 23 to 25 kind of gives a little summary. Paul writes about what he went through. He says that are, are the servants of Christ. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Verse 24 of 2 Corinthians 11 chapter says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. I want you to grab that. He says, five different times. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at the sea. Uh, one of those three we know in Acts when he was shipwrecked and they floated from that shipwreck to the sea that night. And then that same night, he was bit by a viper and shook it off and it went into the water and the fire. And so he's been through some stuff. And so possibly the time he came to the Galatians, he might have been through one of those five times he got whipped with 39 lashes. Or times that he was beaten publicly and left for dead. But yet here it is that in his physical ailment, he preached with power and purpose because it wasn't about how he looked, but it was a message that he preached. And so when he pointed out to the, I, I may not look like the model citizen. I, I may not have been glamorous. I may not have looked very well to you. But yet you received the message that I gave you. And so when we understand that God wants us to hold on to his truth and not go for all the glitter and the flash. Paul was suffering some way, somehow. We don't really know how he was suffering. We don't know if he might be relating to that thorn in his flesh. But what we do know, that they know he was physically hit. He was physically dealing with something that was hindering him physically. But spiritually, he had power and purpose because he was depending on God. And verse 14 says, but even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me. As though I were an angel from God or even Christ himself. So the question is, what has caused you to change? Looking at this situation here, we might know some people right now, all of a sudden they start treating you differently. And you start like, what has changed in this relationship? When I first walked by, you always had a smile on your face and waved at me and talked to me throughout the day. Then next day I come in, next day now you got a scowl on your face. You scoff every time I talk to you. <clears throat> you make sure I see you and you turn your head away to make sure that I saw you reject my, my glance that you're about to say waving at you. And, then, and even if I do wave at you, act like you don't see and keep on walking by. So if you've been there before, you start realize what has changed. What has happened that we went from being friends and joyously to meet one another that now all of a sudden you want to treat me differently. Here's the situation is that what's happening is that when you get bad information, 
it can taint you that you start seeing things differently that have not changed. Let me help you out. If you ever go to watch a 3D movie, they try to give you these 3D goggles to put on to watch the movie. But if you don't wipe those lenses before you put them on, that movie's going to be blurred. And you're going to think there's something wrong with the movie, but there's something wrong with your lens. It's something that has tainted your perception, that you're not getting the full detail. Or, or maybe it might be that you might have to wear corrective vision, and you realize that now that when you put the glasses on, you see better than when you take them off. What I want to highlight here is that it doesn't take much for us to get a bad perspective. Sometimes we got to change our view. You might have been to a stadium and you are sitting around, but yet there's one part in the stadium that got a pole right in front of the seat. And so if you sit behind that pole, you're not going to catch what's right in front of you. Y'all don't hear me? You may see the things on the side, but you might miss the things that are right in front of you. And what's happened oftentimes when something is obstructing our vision, something has tainted us, something has influenced us, it caused us to not see what's clearly in front of us. I would encourage you to not be tainted what other people do, but yet I want you to be as Christ calls us to be, is to treat everybody with love and respect. Treat people with good intentions. I, I, I want you to expect the good in them and not just go for the bad. You want somebody to give you a chance, well, why don't you give other people a chance? Don't just go by what you heard somebody. Why don't you go talk to them, find out for yourself? Don't just mistreat them because somebody else says you shouldn't like them. You shouldn't talk to them. And then you're going to find out they may be your best friend. They might be your best ally. But if you don't go talk to them, you don't show the companionship of Christ, you're going to lose out. Of finding out how you might have an ally, not an enemy. Paul's pointing out how you first received me like an angel, like a messenger of Christ. Now you see me as an enemy. I can hear the song saying, where is the love? So where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eye and given it to me if that had been possible. For us, we might have said you might have given me the shirt off your own back. What he's pointing out here is basically a word, of a way to say to Symbolize how affectionate, how caring they were. That when someone says he would give you the shirt after their own back, right? We're not literally talking about how he just unrolled in the street and get a shirt off the back, but it means that he would do anything for you. And so Paul is pointing out that when I was there, you would have done anything for me. So what has changed now that you are not feeling the same way we felt when we first met? Paul is asking, where is the love? Verse 16 says, have I now become your enemy? Because I'm telling you the truth. I remember as a child, my mom would love to tell her son the truth because she loved me that much. And she would let me know that if the truth hurt, bear it. But I didn't hear her correctly. I thought she said, if the truth hurt, wear it. So me as a kid, because I, I was mad hearing the truth, I didn't really was paying attention to her. It's like, the truth hurt, wear it. What does that mean? Whatever, whatever. I'm just mad, right? As I got older, I understood what she was saying. The truth hurt, bear it. That you sometimes you got to put up with what hurts in order for you to get what's right. Paul is telling them some things that they may not want to hear, but it's good for you. Same thing with medicine, right? How many of us like to take medicine, but it's good for you? We have seen how in our lives that many of us may not be as healthy as we should be. They tell you you need to work out more. We don't like working out, but it's good for you. Uh, we understand there's times we get truth that we don't want to hear. Your teacher tells you to do your homework. You don't want to do it, but it's good for you. 
We hear all kinds of things that people don't want to hear. Your, 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 your job tells you to be here at a certain time. You don't want to be, but you will because you want to get paid. The things that we do in order to get the results that we want, that we may not agree with. But here's the beautiful thing about the word of God, that it does not change. People give you some things that will change, and they, say, they will say, I was wrong, I made a mistake, I, I was misinformed, but God is always right. And so when we stick with the word of God, you won't be misled, you won't be confused, you won't be abused, you won't be misused. But instead, that you will preserve, you'll be preserved, you'll be protected, and you'll be powered by the power of God's spirit and his wisdom that will come by you trusting in his word. And so that's why you got to be aware of false teachers. Those false teachers are so eager to win your faith, but their intentions are not good. Uh, they are trying to shut you off. From me, so they will, so you will pay attention only to them. Paul highlights in that 17th verse of Galatians 4th chapter that these people are not out there to help you. They're only out to hurt you. But they don't tell you they're out to hurt you because they make it sound like it's good for you. Be careful about those who are about building their ego, about you liking them and subscribing to them when they're not giving you anything to help you out. Be mindful of those who are making you feel good about yourself only because it's going to benefit them. But they really won't care about you in the long run. You got many people that will tell you all kinds of things that will make, hey, this will make your life better, but won't tell you how it will make your life better. It just, they'll just let you know it worked for me, but yet we understand what works for somebody else. Man, I'd always work for you. If you need some assistance, just watch any of those commercials, let you know that it says that results may vary. <laughs> they let you know it's working for them on that commercial, but it may not work for you, but it still pays all your money. But we're not going to guarantee it's going to work. So they had it on there because they don't want to get sued. But say, hey, we already let you know. Some results from there. Oh, my favorite one is that when they say buy one, you get the second one free, right? But then it says that it may be different. May not be like the same quality, right? They let you know like, hey, you can get it, but the color may be different. May not look like the same picture, but yet we already told you. So don't get mad if you get a bad model. We already let you know the second one may not be as good as the first one. Y'all don't hear me. Beware of false teachers. They out there just trying to persuade you because it makes them feel good. They just want the attention for themselves, but they're not concerned about your well-being. See, the truth in God is that he is always going to be true. And that's why the father of lies, the enemy, the devil, is always going to combat the truth with lies. So you need to be mindful of the wicked scheme of the enemy, that he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. So that's why we need to seek the Lord at all times. And, and so how do I know a false teacher? Well, I got to know good teacher. And in order to know good teacher, I got to be in his word. I need to spend some time in Sunday school and Bible study. Remember, I got to have my own spiritual mentors, those that I can meet with, talk with, and work with to help me to grow and mature in the word of God. Those I can pray with, those who are pray for me, those I can call on to help me understand what thus saith the Lord. Because there's other people out there that will tell you what thus says them. And what they tell you won't lead you to heaven. But it will lead you to pain. It will lead you to trouble. It will lead you to deal with situations you don't want to deal with. And so maybe trust in God a little bit better. And depend on him a lot more in our lives than depending on popular opinion and what's trending on social media. Verse 18 says, if someone is eager to do good things for you, that is all right. But let them do it all the time. Not just when I'm with you. 
He's pointing out that you got some, you know, fair weather friends. I know that when the going is good, they're with you. But when the going gets tough, they're not with you. He's saying be mindful of those same people that when, when times get rough, they're, they're the ones that want to have apologies on Twitter. Oh, I was wrong. I'm sorry you followed my bad advice. But don't say it was bad advice. Don't say I was misinformed. Well, the informed already, already knew you were misinformed. Y'all don't hear me? And so that's why we have to inform ourselves with truth so we can combat and defeat the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy are out there that tell you all kinds of things that you know for yourself that is true, but they want to hide from you. That's the beautiful thing about how they lie is that if I just don't admit it and I omit it, you can't say that I said it. And so therefore, I can indirectly not answer your questions. You can ask them all kind of questions. They'll let you know, like, I'm not going to answer that. I'll answer what I want to answer. Because they know they don't have the truth. That, that's when they do that whataboutism. That's when they want to talk about something else. Because when you point out truth to them, then the Bible say that you should not lie. Well, uh, I'm not talking about how you should lie, but sometimes you might have to say, they, they should have work all the ride. I say, no, no, just don't lie. The Bible is clear. But we want to say it's okay to tell a white lie, a little lie, a small lie, right? But no big lie. But the Bible makes it clear that one sin is sin. And so when you understand the enemy wants to sneak in and just put a little bit of doubt. Uh, doesn't, doesn't need a lie. He just needs a sliver. Uh, it just needs a crack. Just needs a little foothold. But yet, he, if he can get that, then he's in. And then he's going to let more come in. And more to dissuade us and break us down. So tell your neighbor, keep on growing. Paul says in verses 19 and 20, oh, my dear children who live in transition, or little children, I, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else uh, to help you. Paul is writing a harsh letter to them, and he's pointing out to them, I, I wish I could change my tone, but since I'm at a distance, I'm, I'm not present with you, I have to be harsh and rebuke you and chastise you to say you need to turn because you're headed in the wrong direction. But he says in that, I'm not giving up on you. I see that there? I'm not giving up on you because I feel like I'm going all over again of, of helping you to mature and, and be fully mature in Christ. I, I want you to continue. Until Christ is fully developed in you. This is a beautiful thing that Paul has kind of echoed in Philippians. It says that now he who's begun a good thing will continue until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That he understands that our God is constantly working in us and through us. But here's the situation that are you a willing participant? Have you presented your body as a living sacrifice? Has you, have you surrendered and submitted to the will of God? Because when we sing that song, have thine own way, Lord, you are the potter, I am the clay, we are suggesting that, God, I am open for you to manipulate me, for you to mold me, for you to shape me in how you want to shape me. Which means that I can't say I want to be the vase when I can just be the saucer. That I'm willing for you to, God, form me and shape me how you best see fit. So we have to be open to be submitting to God. To grow in Christ means that we have to be open to be managed by God. And so, again, if I'm going to continue to be fully developed in Christ, right, I, I need to have a good model. I can't be what I don't see. Uh, many of us 
grew up in the age right now before um, digital play, right? Used to um, audio, had audio tapes and you had to make records, right? But if you had a bad copy, you're going to get a bad copy. There was no way to, to, to re-digitize and fix that bad copy. You got a bad copy, you had a bad copy. And the sad thing is that you thought you had a good copy. And so you make that copy and you get the original back to your friend. You put it in your cassette player and you hit play and you find out that it's all not there. And you find out you got a bad copy. And his situation is just that we have to then go back and get the original in order to get it right. And so that's why if you got a bad copy, we'll go back to the original. Look into the word of God. Seek him and seek his face and say, Lord, send me and show me the right direction you want me to be. May I go where you want me to go? May I say where you want me to say? Help God identify those in my life that need to be removed. Hello, somebody. Remove those who are bad influences, those who are going to lead me in the road of destruction, those who are on the way in the, in the wrong way. God, I want to be on the right path. I want you to guide my feet. I want you to guide my word. But yet again, that involves submission. That involves surrendering. That involves you to say, Lord, I really trust you as Lord of my life. Are you open to submit to God? Are you really letting God truly be Lord of your life? Are you submitting and surrendering to his will? Let the Lord have his way in your life. Grow in him. Do not be led astray. But everything that is popular, but everything that is uh, glittering, everything that might sensualize and tantalize your emotions and your body. But yet we understand that this body, this earth is going to pass away. But we're going to have a new body over in glory. And so... Let us not hold on to what is perishing, but let us reach for what is eternal. And Christ is eternal. And so Paul again is asking them, saying, what has changed? What has caused you to lose focus? There might be some issues in our lives that we are not as strong as we used to be. We need to ask ourselves, what has changed? When we were first baptized and gave our lives to Christ and how we didn't touch anything that was sin, right? You, we were so holy, right? People started looking at us, why are you acting all this way, right? What has changed? What have we have become soft on? What have we allowed to sneak in that cause us to allow some things to come in that allow some sinful habits to show up? May we turn it over to God. And so, Lord, I surrender this to you. What has changed in our vocabulary that we now made it permissible, but back in the day that was not acceptable? So, Lord, I turn this over to you. Who have we allowed to be our model that is not a godly model that has, dis- has distracted us and dissuaded us? May we turn it over to the Lord. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we ask you to search our hearts, our minds as we're desperate to follow after you. Father, forgive us for, for what we have, may have allowed to distract us, to persuade us to follow after those things that bring no glory, no honor to you. Forgive us, the Lord, of how we try to satisfy our own fleshly desires more than satisfying your spirit. And so, Father, help us to seek after you, for you desire those who worship you in spirit and in truth. So, Father, Lord, we ask you to have thine own way here in this place. Search our hearts, O oh God. Remove what is not like you. And fill us up with more of you, O oh right now, O oh God. Father, Lord, there might be someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, that they might be saved. 
and that you will guide them to a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church where they can be discipled, they can be baptized, and they can be able to grow and fully be mature in your spirit to be the mighty men and women of God you call them to be. Uh, Father, have your way right here in this space, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue to worship our God on this first Sunday, uh, and we want to continue to grow and seek him until we fully be like him, we prepare to um, break of this bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. And so those who are present with us, we can get your, your elements before you, and we will turn to our God for prayer. Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he sat down with the disciples and he took up the bread and he blessed the bread and he broke the bread and said, this is my body. Likewise, he took up the cup afterwards and says, he blessed this cup and says, this is my blood for remission of sin. So let us pray. Mighty God, we ask you to bless this bread as we're prepared to eat of this. Almighty God, we ask you to bless this cup as we're to drink of this, Lord. And we do so in remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, we do this until it's coming again. May we eat together. May we drink together. May we sing, I know it was the blood. I know it Offering those who feel comfortable, you're welcome to come forth and bring forth your offering. I know this was the blood for me.
Amen. Let us pray. Mighty God, we are grateful for bless us one more time in this time of fellowship and worship. Father, we pray that you bless these offerings and gifts that were brought forth. Uh, we thank you for the means to obtain it. We thank you, Lord, for whom our blessings flow. Lord, yes, you bless those that desire to give, but yet have not. We thank you, Lord, that you will supply their every need. Now, Father, Lord, we look forward to depart this place from mother, never from your presence. May the sweet communion of your Holy Spirit continue to guide us, direct us, and to keep us until we all meet again. In Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. May he keep you.